the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to the Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is a bonus episode, and our guest is Chawa. Chawa is a band from New Orleans. Their music is an amalgamation of all the good stuff, jazz, funk, rock, blues, soul. It's also a celebration of Mardi Gras Indian culture. If you're not familiar, don't worry. The guys will explain it way better than I could. Uh, just a fascinating conversation, a fascinating episode, and I'm so excited to bring it to you. There are some audio challenges, everybody. Um, just roll with it. I, I, you may not even notice or care, but I just want to make sure you know that it's not your uh, your headphones or your podcast app or your phone or wherever you're listening uh, there's just some challenges in recording three people remotely at the same time, uh, but I, I really couldn't cut much out because it's so good. I'm so thankful for these guys. I'm thankful for the music that they make. Speaking of which, their new record comes out today, the day I'm recording this. It's called My People, and I absolutely love it. You can uh, order it over at chawaband.com and, and keep up with updates from the band over there. Uh, if you really like what we're doing here, check out our socials as well. Twitter, Instagram, uh, those are the only two channels that we mess with. But uh, you can also keep up with everything, the Marinade at marinadepodcast.com. If you love what we're doing, patreon.com slash marinadepodcast. It's so much fun, y'all. Last night, I was having a conversation with a couple of Patreon patrons who are friends of the show and have become friends of mine because um, that's the kind of community that we have there. So if you really like what we're doing, check it out. For as little as $2 a month, you can get updates on the show. For $5 a month, you can get our show Jason's Journey, which is a Patreon-exclusive podcast. Really try to give a lot over there. It's so much fun, and uh, I really appreciate everybody who's able to contribute. If you're if you're not in the position to do that, that's okay. I'm grateful for you listening. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please just pass along the word. Tell somebody about the show. Subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Rate us at five stars if you like what we're doing. If you don't, then please don't mess with that. Uh, but every little free thing helps and, and every interaction helps. Uh, conversations like this, y'all, are, are just such a pleasure and it, it, it's due to y'all listening and spreading the word that allows us to do this. Everybody, 
without further ado, a conversation with Chawa. What's up, everybody? Hey, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? All right, all right. Uh, I think everybody else should be connecting. Yeah, I see him in the waiting room, letting him in now. I got Aurelian, I got Joseph, and I got Joe. What's up, guys? Thank y'all so much for being here. Yeah. Let me make sure I got my audio right. We don't usually do three, but I'm excited that you all wanted to be a part of it. Um, so. Uh, again, thank you for being here. Um, I want to kind of start off, if we could, just uh, you know, introducing each, each person. Like I said, usually we got one person, so just so we keep everybody in order, so our listeners are with us. Kind of, kind of, just who you are and what you do with the band. Okay. Um, my name is Raylan Barnes. I'm a trumpet player and vocalist and percussionist with the band. Um, yeah, so. That, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> awesome. Welcome, really, and thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, thank I'm you. Joseph. I'm a uh, lead singer of the band. I play percussion as well. So that's what I do. Awesome. Welcome, Joseph, and thank you so much for being here. Hi, I'm uh, Jake Alini. I'm uh, the drummer of the band. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for being here. Thank you guys so much. I have so much I want to talk to you about. Um, and so I think the best way to do it is I, I just kind of come at you with questions and things to talk about. And then whoever feels like they're best suited to answer, jump in there. And I may have some pointed questions for some folks too. But um, I kind of like to start just like for context for folks listening and, and for my own learning. Um, I... Uh, I pretty much know what I know about Mardi Gras Indian culture from the show Treme. Um, and I have tried to educate myself more, but there just ain't a lot of stuff out there it, it, that I've been able to find. I try to find like documentaries and books and, you know, anything I could find. Um, and I felt like I kept running up against brick walls trying to research the history and so forth. So I know the basics, um, but I was just wondering if you guys could just talk a little bit about um, such a fascinating part of New Orleans culture. Um, well, yeah, looking at it's, you know, it's a culture that's just deep, deeply rooted in um, tradition, you know. If we start all the way off from the beginning, I'll be talking, talking forever. But to briefly kind of give a synopsis of it, it's a tradition that was rooted from African-Americans running away from captivity and slavery and the natives who embraced them and helped them on their journey. And then on Mardi Gras Day in New Orleans, everyone, you know, you're able to, you know, anything you want to put out there. And then black men of that culture, they took it and they started dressing up as Indians to pay homage to those Indians that actually helped them escape slavery. So the culture actually was built from there and it grew and grew and grew over a couple hundred years to what you see now on your Treme and stuff like that. So the TV show gives a, a good visual, but it's not complete. It's like only about 10% of the actual culture. Yeah, that's what I figured. And that's why I was kind of stifled when I was trying to 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 learn more. And and maybe that's just 
just how it is, right? Maybe it's just one of those insular kind of things. And so that's it had to be kept secret. Okay. Now some of the accurate history of it is not actually written because you had to be had to be a secret back then with things because black men were in fear of being sent off to reservations. So couldn't identify as being an Indian. You couldn't even tell that you're practicing masking Indian. So even sometimes people in your family wouldn't even know it was that secretive. So that's why the language is still secret and some of the hand gestures are secret because it comes from that, from being forced into secrecy. And it went from, you know, to once we actually had the freedom to be able to express ourselves, it was still kept secret due to the people who went through so much to keep it secret. We still pay respect to those people as well. So that's probably why you won't really find a lot of, you know, written down documents about the culture because of that reason we were forced to. And, and can you just, so like, it's interesting to me when I, th- when I, as I was reading your, all of your bios and kind of starting to get, trying to figure out a little bit about each of you, you all kind of seem to come from different worlds. So Joseph, you grew up in the Mardi Gras Indian culture. Your father was um, the chief of the golden Eagles. Uh, it's, it's been a huge part of your life, your whole <laughs> life, right? Yeah, he actually still is. He is, still is, is, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Is the, the chief of the golden Eagles. Um, yeah. Don't get that twisted. Right. Um <laughs> <laughs> and so you grew up in that culture. Um, Joe, I don't want to, uh, you know, assume anything, but I'm, I'm guessing you didn't grow up necessarily in that culture from what I can, can gather. And Aurelian, you seem to have come from a different world as well, if I'm not mistaken. Can you guys talk about like how that those cultures come together in the band and, and sort of how you're able to continue to pay homage to, um, you know, the Mardi Gras Indian culture. And then of course the native Americans, who helped enslaved African-Americans escape to slave African-Americans um, and like how this works. It's so beautiful that you come from these different places and it, and it comes out in this, these gorgeous songs. Can you guys speak to that at all? Like what the role of each of your different um, sort of experiences are? Uh, yeah. I'm so it may appear that I come from a different world, but it's not really a different world. Um, basically I'm from New Orleans, but my great grandfather, um, yeah, my great grandfather was born a slave himself and uh, on a plantation and he escaped slavery. My grandfather was a sharecropper for 40 years almost. And he escaped the plantation as well in the middle of the night. Um, and some people on my, you know, even people on his side of the family, uh, people call me Sun Pie, people call my dad Sun Pie, but before both of us, there was another Sun Pie, which is my great uncle. And um, he actually went to go live with Natchez Indians himself um, as a part of that process. And so he was taken in by those people and, 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 and you know, treated well and, and hidden away from, you know, the people that thought that he, he was their property. Um, so it's actually the same thing, but um, yeah. we just have different ways of expressing, you know, our culture. Yeah. I, yeah. I was just about to say that uh, how I mentioned earlier on, you know, we chose Mardi Gras Day to express ourselves through our culture. And what somebody was saying, like they express, you know, their culture in a way on Mardi Gras that's not completely different from us, but it shows a different aspect. Right. So 
it's kind of like same world, just different views, so to speak. So I think what he's referring to, I was talking about my family, but I'm also part of a different masking tradition called the Skull and Bone Gang we have here in New Orleans. So it's a different, it's a different um, masking group. Um, and it's it's not the same as the Mardi Gras Indians at all. But I'm I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about that. But yeah, that's that's um but it's all rooted in at least for me, uh a lot of it is rooted in African culture and that that's what ties me into the city and that that you know that's what I can really feel in the city. On top of that, my my mom is from France, um, and her family is all from Spain. And so I have some of the European culture that, you know, that has come into the city and kind of created not not created but has been part of you know the creation of what we have here today with the architecture and different kinds of you know the language and even creole language that that is part of um is part of sometimes like with some of the words that mardi gras indian stuff is uh that mardi gras indian say is based off of the old creole language so that that's that's a part of my history as well the you mentioned your um Aurelian, you mentioned your your own masking culture and for, and correct keep correcting me if i fuck things up the language okay. and stuff all right and keep educating me please um but it, you said you didn't want to say too much about it is that because it's there's a more secretive level no it, i just i figured that if we started talking about the skull and bone game we wouldn't get to the indians which is <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's just it's just a different masking culture we come out and basically we dress up as skeletons we make these suits ourselves also they don't take as long as the mardi grandian suits are not nearly as elaborate or anything like that but we make these skeleton suits and we come out essentially to wake up everybody in the neighborhood we will go inside people's houses and wake up little kids and scare them and basically the idea is that we want to stray people away from danger so people kids that you know and, and parents in the neighborhood know this. If they have a bad kid that they think might get into trouble, they'd be like, bring the, the bone gang over here, come wake them up and scare them. And it's so that you can be aware that death is always around the corner if you don't uh, live your life in a way that that will avoid that. So so basically that that's the idea behind that. Oh, I love that. That's really interesting. The, earlier we were talking and, and the, the idea of language came up, I think Aurelian, you mentioned it. Um, and that's one of the things that I find so fascinating about New Orleans. I mean, for, for outsiders, New Orleans is, is wildly fascinating. Most of my experiences there were like in my 20s, me being an idiot. So I haven't had a chance to really immerse myself in the culture in any meaningful way. And I'm anxious to get back someday and actually act like an adult or half adult there um, and learn and learn more. But th the thing that certainly is... Uh, something that people far and wide know about New Orleans is, is the fact that language plays such a big role. And there are so many different languages milling about and mixing. Um, you all use some of the Mardi Gras Indian language in your songs. Um, there's English, there's just like this, this mix of language in general. And I wonder how conscious you are of those lyrical choices and where they, where those decision points happen. Um. Absolutely, uh, out of the language, like we were saying, comes from a mixture, actually, from a mixture of Creole, uh, some Haitian influence, um, and over the, uh, over the years, it kind of morphed into its own language, so to speak, with that mixture. So, and some of it actually is slang, 
and you know certain Indians and Indian tribes will know these things, and some of them, you know, won't speak them until they learn it, you know. So, because it's still a secret of language that that uh, you have to study, you know, you have to really sit down and study it. And you, but the only way you can study it is through a big chief. Can't there's no books that you can go sit down and read and pull it up on the internet. Uh, the only way to get this uh, this knowledge is to sit down and learn it from an elder. So it's still kind of taken to the traditional state. So your dad's the big chief. What, was it like Sunday lessons on the, in the language, or was it constantly being spoken? Like, what did that look like? Well, operates a little different. Uh, my dad, who was my chief, he was one of those guys that you had to prove to him that you were, that you was willing to do the work. Um, so if you can sit down and come to him and he was all about sitting down and sewing and talking and teaching, and he wouldn't sit down and teach and talk unless you were sewing. So that was his way of showing that you really wanted these lessons. So you have to put in the work in order to get them out. Did you, did you have that work ethic at a young age, uh, Joseph? Or were, like, Because, I mean, I know as a kid. It wasn't instilled in me at a young age, but I'm going to be honest, you know, like most young kids, you know, once I turned to my teenage years, I kind of ventured and my mind explored and learned other things and it kind of took me away a little bit. And then uh, by the time I graduated and I was going, going on to college, I... Um, I got regained my interest back and my love and of the culture. And it kind of put me deeper into the culture after that. So I guess I kind of went through the motions from being a kid to a teen to an adult, all growing up within the culture. Man, there's such a universality to that story. Um, you know, even though it may seem like this completely out of this world thing, a lot of things in New Orleans do to those of us who aren't there, but like, what a, what a universal story there, right? Is that, that idea of like, maybe not totally appreciating your culture the way that you wish you would have as a kid and then going, getting getting away and being like, oh shit. <laughs> uh, as a kid, it's just that um, the work, the work ethic part of it, um, you know, as a kid, you try to find an easy way to do things so you can get back to doing other things. With this culture, there is no easy way. And that's what I discovered throughout my years is there's no easy way to do it. That why, that's why it takes a special person to be able to participate in this culture. No one can just say, okay, I'm gonna do this. You know, It's not a hobby. Mm. That thing, like, it, it really takes a lot of dedication, a lot of passion, a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot in order to participate in this culture. And the only way you can gain that is if it's in you, you know? And as a kid, you know, you have to sit down and do the work. And most kids, they won't do that work, you know? And it was hard, but I got through it. And luckily enough, I had a chief who, uh, he was a great teacher, although he had to pull it out of him. But when he showed you these lessons, they last forever. I, I'm so grateful for all the things that he taught me over the years because I'm self-sufficient now. And it's all because of those lessons and all those things that they taught me. That's great. The let's talk about the music. Um, you all have a new record, My People, coming out. Um, there's so many standouts on it. Uh, the title track, for example, um, is a standout. 
uh that song uptown really gets me moving um i like second line girl a lot y'all chose to cover masters of war which is i would really like to hear about like and it's and it turns out wonderfully um how, can we talk about the the choices on the record like what does the creative process look like for you all as a band are you bringing songs to each other is there a primary songwriter like what does that creative process look like yeah i'd say everybody brings everybody brings something everybody in the band brings something to the table and then we all get together and then we put it together sometimes it works in teams sometimes it's more individual thing um our musical director Ari title he'll a lot of times he'll write a song and bring it to us and then we'll all get together and learn it and then it, you know it may not sound anything like it did when he first brought it to us but that's you know that's the creative collective creative process um further like the title track my people um our keyboardist andrew yanowski and i just got together one day and we we're like hey let's let's make a song for chawa and we just put it together in like an hour and a half we just kind of just like got to record and stuff and then we made a demo and then that song didn't really change too much after because we had a solid foundation but then it, it just it really depends on the on the situation um joe brought to the table masters of war and then we we you know it didn't sound the final product doesn't sound how it did at first but it was all a creative process of us all working together so i think that almost and almost pretty much every song that you hear on the record everybody had their hand in there as some some kind of way um you know whether it was just a suggestion at practice or whatever um but yeah yeah so i think everybody's identity is pretty much all over the record yeah for example like one of the songs about um right yeah conversation that me and Aurelian was just having in a hotel about experiences just out on the street for my brother yeah yeah, and just talking about stories and things that we've seen and, you know, what we thought was nice and, you know, and through that conversation developed a song that made it to the album. Right. I heard something he told me and then I wrote the first part of the song and I was like, well, now you got to get on it now because it's about you. So, <laughs> so then he put the second verse on there and that's pretty much how that went down. Is that a pen to paper kind of thing or is that all up here? Are you like, what does that look like? Uh, it starts up here and then it gets on the paper eventually when we start to forget uh the words <laughs> yeah and everybody's coming up with creative things it's hard to keep track of it so that's where having a cell phone yeah it's all on the uh voice the voice audio the audio messages yeah well voice yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, Joseph, because like you do have a ton of people in the band and, and clearly like as I'm reading each person's bio there, everybody in the band's an accomplished musician in, in different ways and, and brings a bunch of different experiences musically and all that comes out. I mean, there's there on both the records, um, both Spy Boy and then the new one, My People, there's like there's funk and there's reggae and there's hip hop and there's soul and there's oh, this will be better um vo vocal or uh volume wise um th there's everything right it's it spans so many different different ways but it still is rooted in what i what i would think of when i think of new orleans music and so i i was kind of interested in like how that comes about and what like what that looks like because it shouldn't work necessarily and it does really well if that makes any sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> that makes sense um, I think it's just, uh, I don't, it's in the water. 
That's all I got to say. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think I think um, one thing that kind of makes it work is the fact that we all have one common goal when it comes down to music and that's staying authentic to our sound and the New Orleans sound that we're trying to represent. So I think once we kind of, by everybody having that in mind, the music kind of just gravitates toward that. And that kind of weeds out, you know, anything that that shouldn't work kind of weeds that out, so to speak. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. There's a there's also like kind of a um, there's like a live feeling sound to both records. Are are they recorded live? How how does that recording process come together? Or are you going for that sound if it's not recorded live? Um, I mean, we're definitely going for the sound. Uh, it's not a live recording per se, though. We, I mean, we record in the studio and there's lots of different layers to everything, lots mm -hmm. of different guest artists and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, no, it's not, it's not a live recording, but we do play it in a way that we would play it live. We don't do stuff that we don't put really stuff on the record that we wouldn't be able to pull off live. Yeah. We kind of always sense. keep in mind, uh, you know, our audience, you know, they're going to want to hear it live, you know? So yeah, like you said, it's kind of written that way just to have that vibe, that feel. Um, yeah. I'd add also that the, the studio we recorded at neutral sound studio is actually, it's a really good room for, for for that sound that we were going for, I think it was like a perfect fit for for the vibe that we were trying to put on on the tape. There's like, so kind of circling back away from music specifically and toward the the lyrical content and the themes. Um, it's interesting how like on on both records there are some songs that are that are. I don't, I don't know if lighthearted is the right word, but there's some more lighthearted kind of feeling songs and sounding and and content wise songs and then there's some stuff like visible means of support on spy boy that's pretty heavy and that's dealing with some heavier themes um that also you know has a lot of hope to it but i wonder if you guys are conscious of you know balancing those things um or if it's just hey i got something to say and these are the the songs that we have that that we're gonna use to say those things do you see what i'm saying does that make any sense yeah yeah, Good. Go ahead. I also say, just you know, speaking to um, visible means of support. I actually, uh, I wrote that song with Monk Pedro, with Joseph's dad, and it was based on a story that he told me, like back when we were playing together. And um, you know, I lo just learned so much from Monk and from his, you know, the stories that he would tell, and uh, you know. He talked about how when he was a kid growing up in, you know, Jim Crow, New Orleans, uh, they basically used this, uh, this really old uh, vacancy law called No Visible Means of Support. And basically, it was this archaic law that basically said, uh, well, if you don't have a, like a check stub on you from your job, then technically the police can take you in for loitering or, you know, vandalism or for um, these sorts of things. So uh, it, it just started this like performative um, form of 
cruelty and racism that the New Orleans Police Department would just round up young, you know, people of color. And if they didn't have the pay stub, I mean, Mount Houston said, well, I had a, I had a check because I was working as a craftsman. Um, he did, uh, he did a lot of, uh, yeah, carpenter. And, um, so they would, they would still take him in and you yeah. have to pay, it's in the lyrics, you have to do uh, 10 days, pay $10, 20 days, or $20. And he said it would happen all the time, super frequently. So, um, we just, I just, I just felt, felt like that story, story had to be told. So we did that, and then. So we did that, and then we have other things that just, it, it kind of, like we bring a lot of songs in there, but not everything makes it to the record. But I think that it's important that as an ensemble, especially with the free record, it's really written. I, I feel like, as, like Aurelian was saying earlier, like very much like an it's an ensemble. It's not just like hired guns or anything like that. Everybody has like a real deep investment in this band, and um, I think I think we're pretty good at supporting each other. And, and supporting each other's creativity. I mean, we'll kick each other's asses. Like, we're not family good. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, great. But at the same time, we're 100% to support each other. That's great. Is there something to, like, when we talk about the um, masking culture and, and specifically, I guess, with the Mardi Gras Indian culture, are there, are there, are there creative lessons maybe um, as a part of the beadwork and the 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 work in creating um in that way that inform the creative process in music or are those like separate muscles that you're flexing joseph um i don't feel like it's separate i mean it's, it's creativity you got to kind of get into a zone to to do both actually so it's not separate um it's just expressed a little bit differently um and but like you said like we get together we make music when it comes down to my Indian suit, although I'm sewing it, my experiences that I'm pulling to put into this particular piece, it might come from me and him sitting down having a conversation about something and it might spark my creativity. So I, I feel like it's totally the same to me. To me, it's just you have to get into that creative zone in order to pull off something great. And I guess this this one I kind of want to know from all of you, like, is is that creative? Are you get up and do the work kind of guys? Like, is is creativity for you something where you have to constantly be working at it? Does it come in waves? What what does that headspace look like? Um, now that is semi true. Like, cause yeah. we will work, we will work, we will work, and then sometimes we all get a wave of creativity that kind of like spark something special right you know but we're constantly working and working to get to that point though like you like you have to just keep putting the work in and i think we all as a band as a total we kind of put look at it and put that work in equally because we all got a common goal like joe just said we got a lot invested into the band so we all take it very seriously and we put in the work every single day feels like <laughs> yeah well you know something as far as putting in the work yeah like we do get together and we practice and we rehearse but you know the as far as the creativity with coming up with new stuff that to me that comes in waves 
there's sometimes I'll sit down and try to write some music and, you know, it ain't happening. Like it, it's just, it's not happening that day, but, but I'm always eager to try it again because I know that I, you know, been able to make stuff in the past. I know that collectively as a group, we can always come together and make something. So sometimes I don't come up with the fully out like developed or thought out idea, but I know that I have the support of the band. So whenever I bring it to rehearsal, then maybe something that individually I might think sounds stupid or something that doesn't sound uh, complete or something like that will end up coming to completion once everybody gets to hear it. And, and, you know, it might spark a different idea with somebody else. That's the, that's the ultimate benefit of having, you know, a big group that works collectively and that everybody has creative input is whenever you run into a roadblock, there's usually some, some kind of, somebody has some idea that's going to make it work and you know if not then whatever and you tried but more often than not something will come out of like putting our brains all together this has been such a pleasure guys and i don't want to take too much more of your time but we usually end with um what you're getting down on what kind of art has you inspired at the moment maybe a film you saw that's got you fired up music you've been listening to a painting you saw like what's got you guys motivated right now inspired art wise uh for me i'm right now currently working on my 2000 uh indian suit and my inspiration for this particular suit is coming just for trying to learning learning other parts of native culture um like in new orleans most of our culture that we represent uh, comes from like Choctaw tribes, native tribes from the area. And more recently, I've been kind of trying to branch out and learn about other tribes in different territories and stuff like that, learning about all the artistic techniques. So I've been being uh, influenced by a lot of different artistic techniques from other native tribes. Uh, I'll say for myself, I've been... Uh, just listening to a lot of like I've been listening to a lot of like West African music um, um, stuff from Mali stuff from uh, Senegal uh, I've been listening to a lot of Fela Kuti which uh, you know I always have listened to him but sometimes I have to go back and 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 just re re um, like re-explore some of those grooves that's really what 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 has has me inspired right now is the the ability to come up with the groove that can be the same thing for like 15 or 20 minutes, but, but you're never not entertained by it. Or you you know, you can really feel it the whole time, like creating a pulse kind of for, for music. That's, that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. Right. Guys, this has been such a pleasure. I've learned a lot. Um, I'm grateful that I got into your music lately and, and grateful I got to spend time with your records. My people is absolutely wonderful. Um, coming out, it, did the release date change or april 2nd april 2nd there we go that's what i got here too okay great comes out april 2nd um so this will probably come out right uh right right about the same time so that'd be great folks can go out and get the record and listen and spend some time with it um thank you all so much this was such a pleasure thank you thank you thanks for having us my pleasure thank you for having us appreciate time you're welcome have a great night y'all all right. See ya.